You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Friday afternoon, so it's time for the weekly wrap. And this week we speak to independent financial and market and economic analyst, and that is Liston Main. She's from Liston at liston.co.za. Can we start with the Reserve Bank, Liston? I'm boring people to death with my sort of up-in-arms attitude towards no interest rate cut. Maybe you want to give us your opinion on this one. Well, I think I gave a, a, a sort of advance notice on it, you know, in an earlier conversation with you. I think there's a desperate need for an interest rate cut as a go signal. Uh, whether they're just saying, well, give us three months while we see how, you know, the uh, Moody's comes out, uh, you know, at budget time is not a huge uh, distance away, actually. And they may just be playing for time, but at least, uh, you know, it wasn't unanimous this time. At least two people, you know, called for a rate cut. So there is a change of mind or thought process there. Again, China had cut interest rates earlier in the week. I thought, you know, that should raise the the probability. Uh, But still, to me, you know, the, the, the signal is just not strong enough in terms of you know, we have to do this because inflation is 4% or 3.7% or whatever number it looks like. And, uh, you know, it could get worse. And I say, yeah, you've got economic models and you've got inflation models and you've got all sorts and you have got ratings agencies hanging over you. But at some stage, you know, you have to say um, things that we were looking for, like inflation are down, and things that we don't want are going up called unemployment. At some stage, you would think that the minds and the collective minds of that board, remember, it's not the Reserve Bank governor who makes the decision. It is a board of people. Yes. And uh, that will be interesting. Just incidentally, of course, you know, the one of the deputy governors is now move, moving out and in January, we'll be taking up the reins at ABSA. It'll be very interesting to see how that conversation goes, you know, once he's on the other side of the fence. Uh, he might suddenly say, gee, now I see how desperate things are at the bottom end of society. Uh, you know, maybe I can talk to my buddies at the Reserve Bank and get something going. But anyway, that's just an aside. So, the, the question is, everybody expected no change. There was no change. You know, what are we debating? But we can go elsewhere in the world. And I think I've said this to you. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, there is a groundswell change, whether it's coming from Christine Lagarde or whether it's coming from other members of the ECB or whether it's coming from a bit of dissension in uh, the, the Fed, simply to say, you know, are we sure that low interest rates are generating the, what we want? Are they not laying up a danger for us in the future? And you and I have discussed this at length a couple of times before, Mm. uh, where, you know, the problem arose because interest rates were too low. People were encouraged to take risks. Not everybody realized what the risks were. We had a global financial crisis. And the way to cure the hangover was to drink more. Um, Not the best solution. And honestly, I thought it should only have lasted five years, but it's lasted 10 or more. And there's now, you know, a, a low interest rates forever theory. I don't agree. And certainly, you know, when it comes down to negative interest rates, I've said that's an absurdity except in extreme conditions. And I've seen them before. I mean, back in the 70s, uh, Switzerland was swamped with money and the 
they didn't want to revalue the franc, uh, so they penalized people who put money into Switzerland. Now, I can understand that. That's one off, and it's, uh, you know, regional. But certainly to have this situation in the world, and we've only got to look at Japan to say, I don't think it works, uh, you know, to, to start asking the debate. Big point I make, though, I have seen enough negative thoughts coming into people's minds for me to say that I think we have seen some of the lowest rates in the United States. I hope we haven't seen the lows in interest rates in South Africa. No, I really hope so. There's absolutely no justification. And what I find distasteful, which we need not uh, debate, is the fact that they keep on saying, well, we have to wait until this. We need to have a look at this piece of data. We have to wait for this rating agency. And if that one's not good enough, then we'll wait for the next rating agency. And it all goes on and on and on. Lots of company results coming out over the last couple of weeks, Liston, since we last spoke. What have you made of them? I spoke to uh, Investec this week. I had a look at Tiger Brands. We've had a look at Telcom since we last spoke. Is there any two or three that stood out for you, either for good or bad reasons? No, well, again, I think, and, and as you and I do, you know, we look to see whether it is in line with our thesis. Our thesis is that South Africa is in trouble, that the consumer is in trouble. Uh, we don't want to talk about a company called Sasria, which is run by the government and, and uh, is the only company that undertakes strike insurance. I mean, they lost billions last year. Uh, so we look at Astral uh, Foods earnings down 55%. We look at Pioneers down 15%. Um, and we look at something like even Process. I mean, they, they're not looking like, uh, you know, a standout number in that they said their earnings uh, for the, uh, I think it was nine months, is, are, are between uh, 3 and 9% up. No, okay, you know, that's in euros and maybe that doesn't sound too bad. Uh, but, you know, when you look at the price earnings multiple they're trading on, that, that is uh, uh, fairly steep. Uh, other, other results, as you say, you know, Investec uh, profit hit by weak UK banking. Um, that wasn't exactly unexpected, was it? So what I'm really saying is there were no major surprises for me uh, in, in what is coming out. The only surprise <laughs> to me was that Steinhoff uh, uh, is going to sell part of the Australian subsidiary as a, a, a disinvestment. Mm. And, of course, that's a, that's a subsidiary. It isn't part of the uh, 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 Pepco Christo Visa story. So presumably they have the right, or certainly that company has the right to sell some. It's whether the proceeds go back to Steinhoff and whether it, it does anything more than pay the, the legal bills that, the, that keep on, on, on mounting up. Uh, so that's an interesting one. There was a little statement out as well saying that Tom Gott's forensic report will be out next week. So, you know, we've got something to look forward to. Uh, but generally, and, and as I've said before, you know, the story is not good. And, uh, you know, we won't dwell on the, the latest, you know, horrible, almost farcical, but a tragic story of old mutual where not not paying a claim led to uh, something rather rather nasty happening oh you mean the corpse of the person being taken to an old mutual office is that the one you're referring yes. to yeah, yeah that was, it was very to. very I mean, dramatic in a macabre way it, mm. it, it, you know that, that that's pretty horrible but it indicates to me that there is a groundswell 
where people are getting dissatisfied, whether that's service from a, an insurance company, whether that is lack of delivery by government, whether that is uh, a, a SAA. And, I mean, we have to deal with that. I see this afternoon that they say they've reached an agreement. Mm. But the honest answer is where's the money coming from to pay the salaries at the end of this month? And the statement I've seen is that they will not be paid on time. Now, wait till the uh, the people who've agreed now to stop the strike don't get paid for having stopped. Uh, that's going to be quite ugly. Uh, the bright shining light, if you can call it that, I think was, you know, a, a, a number one, firstly, was the appointment of Andre de Reiter as head of ESCOM. Yes. Um, at last, we have a solid managerial person, well-versed in business aspects. I don't say he's an energy expert. I'm not sure that, that, that he would claim that either. And But the important part for me is the statement that the cabinet approved almost to a, a person. Now, that is a unique change of sentiment. Note that one is what I say to people. Uh, the second one uh, you know, related to all of that was the hawks uh, swooping. And it is uh, 10 people, and some of them, at least one of them, having been a former cabinet minister. Now, you know, we haven't heard words like that in ages. And I think I said to you one time before, you know, the foreigners look at us and they say, the headlines must change. Yes. Well, I promise you, two headlines this week changed. Very good. And more headlines changing to come, I would have thought. Well, certainly we hope that is a, a you know, a start and a beginning. Uh, the one headline we were hoping for a change was that the Reserve Bank would cut rates. That was not there this week. Wow. If we just look, if we just look overseas, there's also you know things coming through, you know, on that one. And the one that really fascinates me, and I've been waiting for it for some time, and it's possibly because I have a, an interest in down under. But if you have a look, the banking industry in Australia is taking strain. Now, what a lot of people don't know is that I think it is five of the top 10 companies in a market cap in, uh, in the Australian All Share Index, the ASX, uh, as they call it, the All Ords, uh, are, are banks. Hmm. And they've called it the four pillars, and then there's always, uh, you know, one, one, one extra. But the biggest point is that Westpac uh, has taken a knock. Um, and the week before, uh, somebody else, and this week, uh, CBA, Commonwealth Bank of Australia. And it's hurting their index. Now, I send you the charts every week, and I've been kind of saying, you know, how on earth are they keeping all this going? And people are still buying these banks. But in the meantime, what all of them are being fined for is mis-selling. And part of that, and let's watch to see whether it could ever happen here, but the employees of the bank were awarded and or penalized if they did not sell enough of the bank's product. And that is against the spirit of in the best interests of the client. And since one of the bank's um, our, our investment operations did not perform well, uh, they are not only having to recompense the clients who were injured, but they had to pay a fine. Now, my goodness me, <laughs> if we start to see something like that as a headline in South Africa, I will be amazed. 
Listen, uh, the Senate results came out at uh, around about 45 minutes ago as we pre-record this podcast at uh, quarter to four. At three o'clock, Naspers, a small company listed on the uh, local exchange, came out with some numbers. And it says here, Naspers delivered solid results for the six months ended 30th of September. Group revenue measured on an economic interest basis was $10.2 billion. I don't know what that means. Reflecting growth of 11% or 20% in local currency adjusted for acquisitions and disposals measured similarly and it goes on i mean this is a short form announcement but it's pretty long form for somebody like me you'd be able to digest it in a few moments but for me i just want to know that they're doing well and it seems as though they are well again <laughs> the words economic interest are very interesting in in themselves because everybody believes they own a certain proportion of uh, 10 cent but much more they deal with that as what they call an economic interest equivalent to. Now, I have never heard and seen anything to do with the original agreement and the escape clauses. I know they did sell portion of that uh, a little while of that back to get some additional money into the kitty. Uh, but that's why they use the word economic interest. So I think that that kind of solves that question. Yeah. Now, the, you know, the, real, the real question is, you know, how are we dealing with that report, given that uh, a process was declared out after it? So whether process is in there and these reports, are, I really don't know. I will have to look at the long form report uh, to be able to give you a better answer. The share price but is telling us look, that um, the market likes it, even on a Friday afternoon when people are maybe not quite paying well, as much well, attention. Well, again, it would be, surpri yeah, be surprising if they didn't like it. Mm. But as I said, my, uh, my, you know, my reading of it in, in particular is to say uh, I don't know that it was widely different from what was expected and I don't know how it will impact the combination of the new NASPAS and, and process. Somebody will have to do that dig work for me. Yes, they will do. I'm sure they will. 1.4% higher currently uh, at NASPAS. Anything else you're looking at, Liston? It's been a busy time. Well, and I'm yes, getting the impression, no, just before you go on, that these last these results that have come out over the last week are probably the last results of the JSE year of any of any significance, that is. I would think so. Uh, but just the, 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 one of the things, and we look at all these results, again, as you do, to say, you know, are they in line? How did the market participants yes. respond to the, the uh, actual result? Mm -hmm. Were they expecting it? And we see this in America a lot. You know, they beat expectations. Uh, nobody knows what expectations, when they were last adjusted. Uh, you know, they don't even tell you what they were. Whether those expectations were related to revenue, profit, Goodness only knows what, but the headline reads beat, and you go, wow, put another four, three or four percent on. Never mind that it went up five percent last week in expectation. <laughs> so I, I am horrified at some of the financial reporting. Let's put it that way. So I read those headlines, you know, looking for additional clues, things I didn't have, uh, statements from the CEO that might just give me some extra little insight that, that I didn't have before. Now, two of them this week okay, were quite important for me. So Cadbury, as a, a, a confectionery company, says there is no stopping of growth in demand, and notably, of course, in China and Asia. Now, I think that is quite important. We always say we want to buy companies or growth companies or companies whose earnings are growing who have a good outlook for a good few years in front of you. 
So here's a statement. It's a, just one headline. It didn't say beat. It didn't say anything else. I don't know how many people even bothered to read it. But actually it says there is no stopping of growth in demand. I think that's wonderful. Uh, second one, and almost uh, in the same uh, area, is uh, Novartis switches gears in Shanghai from research to drug development. Now you think, why would they stop research and go to drug development? The answer is the demand is accelerating in China. So if we're all, and, and we do believe, you know, there's growing middle class in China, there's an aging population in China, there's all sorts of reasons why you might want to be there. But surprise of surprises, one of the better ways you might exploit that is to go and buy some shares in Novartis. Uh, and you know, it's that kind of linkage that I say is so vital for me in, in reading. So, as I said, when Investec says they had a bit of difficulty with banking in the UK, I said, oh, um, so what? And somebody tells me that, oh, you know, Jeremy Corbyn's uh, new tax ideas, you know, hark back to the 70s. Well, I remember the 70s, and it definitely does. And uh, Jeremy looks to be about my age, so he remembers that period <laughs> as well. Yeah. So I'd rather you be prime minister than he, by the way. Uh, well, so let's see what happens on all of that. If we also look across um, to, to America, we've got a very interesting situation where a target sets upbeat holiday sales tone, uh, whereas uh, Lowe's calms nerves, uh, but Macy's issues third profit, profit warning for the year. So let's not, let's not say that all is well going into retailing in the United States. And then again, another one that I think is really interesting and you have to say, well, I wonder how this plays out. So my antennae are out and waving around when Walmart says they are playing catch-up to Amazon in the e-commerce battle. Now, Walmart has got stores. They have got the, uh, the distribution centers, if you like it. Mm -hmm. And if they say, well, hang on, anything that Amazon can do, we can do better, life is going to get very interesting, I think. Yeah. So to me, that you know, these these some of these statements, you know, small and, and unimportant as they may be, uh, you know, are in in fact quite quite useful. The other one that I think, and it was this week, perhaps a whole bit of last week, was the Saudi Aramco IPO. And you know, of course, there's a whole lot of hype around it as the world's largest listed company. At the minute, it is uh, truly listed. And they were hoping, you know, that the valuation of the entirety would be $2 trillion. Now, Lindsay, I can't picture $2 trillion. But even that, is only, even that is only a tiny fraction of the – I mean, if they listed the whole thing – then no, no, that, that's the value. No, that's the value of the total. They're only listing a, a much smaller portion of that. Oh, that's right. Yes, in fact, it's about one point seven trillion. I think it's, yeah. it's gone down to. Oh, that's right. Well, yes. Then, then maybe, maybe I've got something wrong there. But the point is, nearly all of that was followed by people, who, uh, locals. Other people said, "No, we're not prepared. We don't know what we're getting. Let's wait and sit this one out for the third now, time." That is very interesting to me. Again, and. Uh, Kind of the way they put it is the Saudi, Aram, Saudi Aramco flop is a moment of grim truth for OPEC oil regimes working on borrowed time. Mm. <laughs> There's a fair bit of opinion there and a slight slur if you wanted to put it in as well. But, yeah, so, again, you know, company uh, headlines, I think, are quite fascinating depending how they're put 
And often there's a, a requirement for some dig work below to find out whether the story actually fits that headline. Liston, I'd like to draw your attention when you get a quiet moment of the weekend in your busy schedule to go to strictlybusinesspodcast.com. And I've been putting up uh, for the last week two interviews per day from investment professionals from Investec Asset Management in both London, in Cape Town and in Singapore. And it's their Investment Views 2020. They're all nicely digestible. They're all between seven and 10 minutes each. And they cover a variety of different subjects and asset classes and markets. And they're very good. I mean, as I say, it's about two a day. I did about 20 of them and they were for internal use for their professional investors and clients but they've made them available to me so when you when you get a chance just go to the asset class channel on strictlybusinesspodcast.com or sharenet.co.za and have a listen to all those those clever people at investec and and see what you think and maybe give me your feedback next week liston manches is an independent financial and economic advisor he is to be found at liston at liston.co.za and that was the weekly wrap That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za. To receive Liston's charts and other exclusive content, go to strictlybusinesspodcast.com, scroll to the bottom of the homepage and subscribe.